Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. We're looking forward to this time together. I want to start by thanking you all for your generosity. Thank you for giving towards the crisis response. And also, thank you for giving to those people around you who are in need. We know that for some of you, you've had to give towards the relatives who are in need during this time. When I say thank you for those who have had to continue to play, pay your employees during this time, or even arrange the URF where necessary. Thank you for giving of yourself, for giving of your time, for giving of your treasures. We also want to say thank you for paying those service providers who are not able to come to work, like the domestic workers, the gardeners. God sees your generosity, and the Lord bless you. Last week, Pastor Roger started us off with a series, The Big Reset. Pastor Roger spoke so beautifully from the story of Mephibosheth on how he was invited to the king's table. God is inviting us to his table to reset our relationship with him in this time, in this hour. So let us not let a good crisis go to waste. Let us reset our relationship with God. Today's topic is resetting our priorities. The word reset means to set again or to start again. It means we reset our lives and realign them to God's values. Uh, it's the same as if you were to reset your computer, reset your cell phone. It's as if it's brand new again. You erase all that's in the past and you have a new cell phone. Uh, talking about uh, cell phones today, we'll be talking about resetting our priorities and we'll be touching a lot on the impact of cell phones on our lives today. So we want to challenge you to rethink your life. See this crisis that we're going through as an opportunity to rethink, to reflect, and to say, what is it that I can do better in my life? I have been reading a book by John Mark Comer, The Ruthless Elimination of Hari. He speaks about how to stay emotionally healthy and spiritually alive in the chaos of our modern world. In this book, he writes about a research done about the impact of cell phones in our lives today. And I want to read you this excerpt from this book. The average iPhone user touches his or her phone 2,617 times a day. By way of contrast, the psalmist said, I have set the Lord always before me. This is Psalm 16, verse 8. What would my life be like if God touched my mind as frequently as I touched my phone? Freedom perhaps never comes without a great cost. Let's let that sink for a little bit. The average iPhone user touches his or her phone 2,617 times a day. It means that uh, we have gotten so used to staying plugged, staying connected, but we're not connected to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Our text today is Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. It reads, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy 
and my burden is light. I'm going to read it for you in the message paraphrase. It goes like this. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burn out on religion. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You will learn to live freely and lightly. I just like how Eugene Peterson puts this uh, verses of Scripture. And um, I want us to look closely to some of the phrases and the statements that come from the Master himself, Jesus Christ. We're going to unpack these phrases, and then later on we're going to look at practically how to reset our priorities. So the first phrase I want us to look at is, Come to me. Jesus is calling us to intimacy and close proximity with him. I see the Lord using this current crisis not as a destruction, but as a disruption to our lives, to disrupt us from the things that we've put as priority instead of putting him as priority. He's calling us to learn the unforced, unhurried rhythms of rest, the unforced, unhurried rhythms of his grace, the unforced, unhurried rhythms of life. That's what he's calling us to. The next phrase we see in this text is, uh, all who labor and are heavy laden. All who are weary from your toil and your hard work or burdened by religious legalism. All who are loaded and weighed down or overloaded and piled up with life's cares or worries. The other way of putting this is we are loaded or overloaded because we lack margin. Margin is the space between load and limit. Margin is a space between what we are carrying and our limits. The reason we are overloaded is because we've forgotten completely about our limits and what God has created us to carry. We're carrying too much. We are overloaded. So remember the word the Lord gave us beginning of this year from Luke chapter 5. The Lord spoke to us about launching out into the deep and letting down our nets for our great catch. But in this text, in Luke 5, we read how Peter says to Jesus himself, he says, Lord, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. There's two things I want to share with you from this portion of Scripture about the toil or the hard work. I know that some of us are feeling like we've been working hard over the years, we've toiled hard over the years and we're feeling tired, we're feeling worn out and we feel like, but we haven't caught anything. We feel like we haven't progressed much. But like Peter, I want us to say, at your word, Lord, we will rebuild. At your word, Lord, we will throw in the nets. At your word, Lord, we will go at it again. At your word, we choose to believe you. We choose to have faith, hope against hope. We choose to believe that God, you'll give us a great catch, even though we've been working through the night and have caught nothing. The second thing from the scripture that I like is when fishermen cannot go to sea, they repair their nets. 
when you read this text, it says that because they'd worked through the night, in the morning they had not caught anything, they were busy washing their nets. So when fishermen cannot go to sea, cannot go to fish, they wash their nets, they repair their nets. In this time of lockdown, are you repairing your nets? Are you washing your nets so that when you throw out the nets again, you are ready for a great catch that God has for us? God is calling us through this crisis to learn the unforced, unhurried rhythms of His grace. The next phrase we see in this text is, I will give you rest. I like this because when God gives rest, it's not the way that the world gives or defines rest. In the Greek, the word rest is anapauo, which is two words, ana and pauo. Ana means to give up something. Ana means the end of a process. And pauo means uh, to pause, to stop. So when we talk about rest from Scripture, it means a cessation from toiling, a stopping, a pausing to be with the Lord to pause, to refresh, to reset, an intermission or recreation. It means that rest is trust. We are willing to pause. We're willing to close the computer. We're willing to put the cell phone away and pause and enjoy time with the Lord, time with friends, time with families. It is when we rest that God goes to work on our behalf. We work from a place of rest. We pause. And I pray that we will see that this crisis is giving us an opportunity to pause. To pause and say, God, what is it that you want me to change in my life today? The next phrase I want us to look at is uh, the master himself says, take my yoke. Yoke from the Greek is a wooden bar placed over the neck of two animals to carry weight to pull a cart or to plow the ground. It means that Jesus, when he said, take my yoke upon you, he didn't say take your yoke, he said take my yoke upon you. He was thinking of two animals pulling a cart together and he was simply saying, guys, I want to carry the weight with you. You don't have to carry the weight alone. But more importantly, the question I have for you is this. If you're carrying the weight with the master Jesus himself, who is carrying most of the weight? We know very well that he is carrying most of the weight. It's like when parents work with their little children, uh, they think that, man, I'm doing the job. I, I've got this. I'm doing the most. But let me tell you today, Jesus is doing the most. He is carrying you through whatever toil, whatever challenge, whatever pain that you may be going through. He says, come, I will Keep company with you. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. I don't want you to carry the load alone. I want to carry it with you. I want to teach you the unforced, unhurried rhythms of rest. So verse 30 down makes sense when it says, My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Because he's carrying most of the weight. The next phrase I want us to look at is, Learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. This word means manthano in the Greek. It is gaining knowledge from experience. So gaining knowledge by doing, not just through reading, but by walking with Jesus. It is the same word where we find methetes, meaning a disciple. 
it, it means Jesus is saying to us, guys, I am gentle and lonely in heart. I'm the best disciple maker you can ever have. I'm the best shepherd you can ever have. Learn from me. Walk with me. For I am gentle and humble in the way that I lead you. I have really been challenged during this time of lockdown to realize that even when we don't have church gatherings like we used to, God is actually leading us to the chief shepherd himself, Jesus Christ, that we can learn to connect with him on our own, that we don't always need to have a pastor there to have my connect group leader there for me, but we need to learn to connect to the chief shepherd himself. Learn from me, walk with me, for I'm gentle and humble at heart. Sorry that this might be a little bit harsh, but we all need to learn to walk in close proximity with the Lord. In this season, let us learn to work in close proximity with the Lord. The next phrase is, you will find rest for your souls. The soul is a seat of our affection and will. What if I said to you that the current crisis that we are facing is to teach us to reset our psyche, our minds, our hearts, our souls, to connect afresh with the Lord. So how do we reset our priorities? Let's look at some of Jesus' habits and practices, aka spiritual disciplines that we have lost. We've become so busy with life that we've lost close proximity, unhurried, unforced rhythms of life. So there are these four practices I want to share with you today of unhurrying your life or resetting our priorities. Silence and solitude together, the Sabbath practice, simplicity and slowing. So let's start with silence and solitude. A survey from Microsoft found that 77% of young adults answered yes when asked, when nothing is occupying my attention, the first thing I do is to reach my phone. So going back to what I said earlier, we are always plugged into something. We can't even have a moment of silence, a moment of solitude where we don't feel like a twitch. I need my phone next to me all the time. This new normal of unhurried or hurried digital distraction is robbing us of the ability to be present. Present to God, present to other people, present to all that is good, beautiful, and true in our world. We are ever busy and we battle to be fully present. And now I'm preaching to myself because I know the challenges of uh, putting my cell phone away and being with my family and being fully present. And it's a practice that I'm working hard to get right. At the end of Matthew chapter 3, we read a fascinating story about how Jesus was baptized by John. And when he came out of the water, the Bible says, heaven opened and God spoke and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Before Jesus started his ministry, before he did anything for God, God says, this is my son in whom I want, please. It means that before we do anything for God, he accepts us and he loves us the way we are. Working hard or doing more things is good, but it doesn't make us God love us more. We look at how this moment was like a launch pad for Jesus' ministry. 
it's so interesting that coming out of that moment of baptism, the Bible says the Holy Spirit led him into the desert. You would think that, man, you've just been baptized. Now it's time to go out there and uh, be the man of power for the hour. No, 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 no. God leads Jesus to the wilderness, to the desert. The word desert in the Greek is eremos, which means a deserted place, a desolate place, a quiet place, or a solitary place, a place where you can be alone with God. Scripture is very clear on this, that uh, Jesus needed this time with the Father before he started his ministry. In Mark 1, we read that the Bible says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a solitary place, Eremos, a quiet place where he prayed. I think this is where we get the concept of quiet time, the importance of starting your day by being in the Word, or maybe you do it at lunchtime or you do it at night, but you actually switch off all the noises and you go to a solitary place, a place of silence, so you can hear clearly from the Lord. In the Gospel of Luke, it is mentioned that about nine times Jesus would go out and be with the Father. Again, in Luke 5, it speaks how Jesus often withdrew from the crowds to pray. My challenge to you is if Jesus was God himself and he saw the need to go and be with the Father, how much more should we be living with that discipline of connecting with the Father on a regular basis? Let me encourage you to, to reset your priorities and your first and foremost priority to be relationship with the Father, to be in silence and in solitude with the Father, to connect with Him at a deeper level. I believe our lives will be different. So I have this challenge that I like to put out to people. When I was still growing up in my walk with the Lord and um, we had small children and uh, struggling to have quiet time because children wake up at some ungodly hours and you're trying to have quiet time and they want their breakfast. And I went to uh, Brett Fuller and I asked him, Pastor Brett, what do you do when you have small children and you're struggling to have quiet time? The answer that I got from him wasn't the answer I expected. He said to me, you then wake up before they wake up so you can have time with the Father. I was really challenged by that. And uh, I must say it made a big difference during the time. And it actually got me into the habit of waking up early and being in prayer and finding the time of the Lord, being in the Word. I recently... I was talking with uh, Kath Hechter, and she was saying also in the season of having small children, she, she had to just find time to wake up before they wake up so she can have time with the Lord. Way to go, Kath. And for all of us, we may differ in how we do our quiet time, but the key is that we all need an unhurried time with the Father. We all need that close proximity time where we can go deep with the Father. Henry Nguyen, who's known to be the father of meditation or contemplation, was a Catholic priest. This is what he says. Without solitude, it is virtually impossible to have a spiritual life. Without solitude, it is virtually impossible to have a spiritual life. He challenged us as believers that if we want to have close proximity with the Lord, we need to have those moments of silence and solitude. 
I like one of the stories about uh, Henry Nguyen. Uh, they say that he was going through some challenges personally and he went to visit uh, Mother Teresa and asked Mother Teresa, can you just give me some counsel on some of the things that I'm facing? And this is what Mother Teresa said to Henry Nguyen. Well, when you spend time, one hour a day adoring your Lord and never do anything which you know is wrong, you will be fine. If you spend one hour a day adoring your Lord, connecting with your Lord, having that close proximity with the Father, and staying away from anything that you know it's wrong, you will be fine. It's like Mother Teresa was saying, you're going to be all right. You'll be fine. But how I wish to be a fly on the wall, the father of contemplation and meditation, going to Mother Teresa, a saint, and asking her, how can I do better in my walk with the Lord? It's like Brother Cheesy, one of our intercessors uh, in this church who really lives a life of prayer, coming to me and say, Sai, I want to do better in my prayer walk. And he's asking me? I'm like, dude, I need to come to you. Lay hands on me. I want to pray like you pray. These spiritual disciplines are good for us. If we want to live a life of rest, learning the unforced, unhurried rhythms of rest. The next uh, principle and, and the next priority that I want us to look at is the principle of Sabbath which means to stop and to delight, a day of unhurried love, all joy, all peace, working from rest, not working to rest, working from a place of rest, stopping long enough to experience God and enjoy life. The word Shabbat is a verb which means to stop, again, to pause. St. Augustine of Hippo, one of our African saints, writes, you have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. You, Lord, you have made us for yourself. And our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. Let us see this time of crisis as a time to reset, to learn the unforced, unhurried rhythms of grace. Mark 2 verse 27, the Bible says, The Sabbath was made for men and not the men for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for us to enjoy, not the other way around. God has given us the Sabbath to enjoy it. We don't do it because we have to. We do it because it's fun to have a day where you switch off all the noises. You put the computer away. You put the cell phone away and you connect with the master. The story of the Bible starts with this amazing words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But after six days, after hard work of uh, getting the universe up and running, the Bible says God rested. Before then, we don't know what God was doing. He was probably chilling the whole time. So from a place of rest, He rocks up and He creates the world. But after six days of working, He pauses. He stops. Did you get that? God rested. <laughs> the maker of heaven and earth sees the necessity to rest. And we think that we can just go on and on and on without pausing. So choose how you're going to live post the reset season. This will be on your screens. And uh, I want you to look at this juxtaposition. You can choose to live a restful life 
or a relentless life. You can choose to live with margin or busyness. You can choose slowness or hurry. You can choose quiet or noise. You can choose deep relationship versus isolation. You can choose time alone or the crowds. You can choose delight or distraction. You can choose enjoyment versus envy. You can choose clarity versus confusion. You can choose gratitude versus greed. Contentment versus discontentment. Trust versus worry. Love versus anger or angst. Joy versus melancholy or sadness. Peace versus anxiety. Working from love or working for love. This is taken from the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, that I mentioned earlier on. During this uh, lockdown period, we've enjoyed spending unhurried time with our kids, having dinner time, almost two hours of just sitting around and chatting and getting to connect with each other because there's not been uh, extramural activities and uh, long hours doing homework. And yet, last night we asked them, guys, what is it that you've enjoyed the most about this lockdown period? And all three of them, without fail, they said they've enjoyed family time. They've enjoyed unhurried time with the family. It is my prayer that we don't lose this even as we step into the new norm that we're going into now, that we have those unhurried times, not only with God, but with our families and our friends. The next priority that I want to put to you is simplicity. Let's look at a few statements from the master himself, Jesus, how he challenges us to live a life of simplicity. Let's look at what he says. Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. This is from Luke 12, verse 15. What the world calls minimalism today, it is actually a practice and a principle from Scripture. Life does not consist with the abundance of possessions. So ask yourself a question. Have you made possessions such an important goal in your life that you've missed out on simple living. Jesus again says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. You say, wait, what about saving for retirement? What about medical insurance, etc., etc.? Nothing wrong with those things. They're important. We need them. But are we prioritizing giving to the poor? He also goes, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. It is not life more than food, the body more than clothes. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. This is from Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 and verse 23. The worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and they choke the word, making it unfruitful from Mark 4, 19. We are so much worried about possessions, so much worried about life, so much worried about cares. Forgetting that it is God who said, I will take care of you. Jesus is saying there are bigger fish to fry. Why worry about the basics? God will take care of us. During this time, may we adjust our lives and think about what matters the most, what is most important. Psalm 37, 25 says, I'll was young and I'm old, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their children begging bread. In closing, I want us to look at slowing down. That's one of the practices that God is calling us to. God is calling us to silence and solitude. He's calling us to a Sabbath practice. 
God is calling us to simple living, challenging us to say, all the things that I have, do I really need them? But God is also calling us to slowing down. It was Patrick Lencioni who said, we achieve inner peace when our schedules are aligned with our values. We achieve inner peace when our schedules are aligned with our values. When we look at our calendars, do they reflect our values? So I want to read these 10 things for you that will help us in the practice of slowing down. Again, preaching to myself. The practice of slowing down is slowing down your body so that you can slow down your life, so that your soul can catch up with your life. So the first thing is uh, just being practical here today. Drive within speed limit. Stop at a stop sign. Don't yield. Don't text while you're driving. Those are some of the things that we need to change. Number two, pray and listen to worship in the car, especially when you're in traffic. Best use of your time. Number three, show up early for a meeting. I'm perturbed by the fact that even while we're working from the comfort of our homes, we are late for meetings. We are late for church. I don't get it. Number four, turn your smartphone into a dumb phone. I just found this out. You can actually use only what you need on your phone, not the things that are constantly disturbing you and distracting you. For example, if you can, you can actually take out your emails from your cell phone. You can take out social media from your cell phone. You can stop all notifications, which I have done, and I found it's amazing. I only look when I have time to look versus constantly getting all these notifications. Delete apps that you don't need. Number five, parent your phone. Put it to bed before you go to bed and make it sleep in where possible. I know some people, you do your devotion on your cell phone. Where possible is let it sleep in. Do your devotion before you go first to your phone. That is parenting your phone. Keep your phone off until after your morning quiet time, as I've said. Set time for emails. Set a time and limit for social media. Kill your TV. Watch what you eat. Garbage in, garbage out. Whatever you take in, that's what will come out. And finally, single task. I must say that we have gotten into this practice of multitasking. We pride ourselves for multitasking. But this is what Walter Brueggemann writes when he, in his book, Sabbath Resistance. He says, multitasking is the drive to be more than we are, to control more than we do, to extend our power and our effectiveness. Such practice yields to a divided self with full attention given to nothing. With full attention given to nothing. Not being fully present. Remember, margin is a space between our load and our limit. Luke chapter 24, verse 7. Luke 24, verse 49. I beg your pardon. Jesus is about to go to heaven. Ascension. He's ascending to heaven. And these are his last words to his disciples. Wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from one high. Wait. Wait. Slow down. Pause until you're endued with power from on high. May I submit to you that one of the reasons we may be lacking the power of God that we should be carrying is we've lost the art of waiting on God. 
We've lost the art of pausing. We've lost the art of solitude, of silence. We've lost the art of Sabbath rest. We've lost the art of being in the presence of God and living a simple life. Our lives are cluttered. We've lost the art of slowing down and pausing long enough to enjoy the presence of God. This is the challenge I'm taking from this crisis. I want to learn to wait and wait long enough to enjoy the presence of God and to live a quality life, but also to be able to, to make him known from that place of rest. So as we go to pray, I want to challenge you to go and reflect on this word and say, what are the things I need to change and reset my priorities so that my life can glorify God? If you have been watching with us and it's your first time joining or you've been watching for a couple of weeks now, we want to invite you to get in touch with us on the numbers that are on the screen and we will contact you. We will pray with you. We will encourage you and share with you the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today. God bless you. Wow, what a word in season from Pastor Sai. May I exhort us to take time today to seek God for what areas in our lives we need to reset and prioritize according to His Word so that in the days and weeks to come, we can personally apply this Word. A few reminders before we end our service today. Firstly, if you have prayed the salvation prayer for the first time, please, please get in touch with our disciple team, discipleship team on this WhatsApp line that's on your screen right now. And for any other members within our, uh, our church who uh, would want any prayer, please also use the same um, WhatsApp line. Reminder that we pray together wherever we are in our homes at work at 7 a.m. in the morning and at 7 p.m. As we join our faith to lift our, our, our nation up in prayer at this time. And then we have our corporate prayer online at 6 p.m. every Thursday. Thank you once again for joining us in Church Online. Salangahle inkosi ibenani and see you next week. <laughs>